I'm Ashley. And I'm Jasmine. And you're tuned in to Ham Radio Stranger Things Podcast. It's a, a ham radio. The Cadillac of ham radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to yet another episode of Ham Radio and Stranger Things Podcast. We've got a great episode for you today as usual, but first, we have a little housekeeping to take care of, and I'm going to turn it over to Jasmine to let you know where you can find us on social media and where you can listen to the podcast. Thanks, Ashley. You can find us on Instagram at hamradiomedia, all one word, on Twitter at hamthrow, on YouTube at hamradiomedia, or using our handle hamradio1983. We also have a Discord you can join, which is linked in the description of this episode. If you have a fan theory or question you want to share, you can email us at hamradiomedia at gmail.com. Ashley also has a fanfic on AO3 entitled Stranger Things College, which is also linked in the description. The podcast is available on all major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and much more. If you like the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review. We have a lot of totally tuberous stuff coming up, so be sure to follow us on social media to keep up with the podcast and all of our new content. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And then they, um, but then they made up. Uh, they yeah. both apologized to each other later for that. And, you know, they continue to be together. But, yeah, those are just you know my thoughts like I, i'll be honest yeah. like i'm i if there's any relationship that i'm really invested in this show it's probably mike and 11 oh, um, yeah. but i mean i, I love them talk about the show, so yeah yeah <laughs> also to that discussion the the scene that came up for me was when nancy wants to go off on her own and steve is in season four and steve yes. pushes back and he's like whoa 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 no 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 no, 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 no. And like, well, I totally get, I totally get what Ashley is saying, but at the same time, I feel like, um, I feel like that scene rep- for Dr. and Nancy represents something, which is that like they come from such different perspectives, and not that you can't overcome that. Of course, you can. Yeah. But I think even as early as season three, we saw an unwillingness to overcome that. Like Jonathan doesn't want to see Nancy's side. Nancy can't see Jonathan's. Side. Like they can't see each other's side, and they. And I know a lot of people in the fandom have talked about this, but it's it's not that they can't, it's that they're unwilling to. Yeah. Where as Steve and Nancy never have that problem. Like they have issues, but their issue is never not being able to see the other person's side. You yeah. know what I mean? The thing between Steve and Nancy that stopped them from being able to work together is the fact that Barb died the night that they slept together. It's that guilt and trauma over that. It's not really anything else. And any kind of communication issues that they have at any point between each other in season two is built upon the guilt w- with Barb. You're exactly right. In the scene in season four, it's him that notices she's walking away in the first place. And not only does he say, uh, no, you can't go off on your own. She is immediately receptive to it. She's like, oh, yeah, OK. And she's she's like, you know, it's 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 a long shot. But she doesn't give him any kind of pushback when he's saying that he'll go with her the only person that gives him pushback is robin because she can't drive <laughs> i mean fair I mean, fair <laughs> and like i love that scene with steve though because like I- i'm sure you've seen that gifts on tumblr where people like have pieced it together and that like 
So Steve thinks thought she could drive the whole time, and yet he's yeah. been driving her around. Like, and they did the math. We're like, it's like, well, school starts at like eight. Family Feud doesn't open till ten. The pep rally was at six. This guy's getting up between like four and like six in the morning every day, yeah. and well, on sorry. weekends <laughs> to drive somebody around. He thinks can drive, and the whole point that like I, I hadn't caught this, but when they get drugged by the Russians. Robin says you were late and you got bagel crumbs everywhere and you asked stupid questions. Yeah. About their about Miss uh, um, Click's class. And so it's like, yeah, Steve took that. He listened and he's like, I'm going to take pride in my appearance. I mean, he already did, but like, I'm not getting stuff everywhere. I'm going to show up early. I'm going to drive her around. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to listen. Like he heard that and was like, yeah, I was kind of a douchebag. And like, he, he, like, I think that's what I love about Steve. He, like, and I think this is an issue in, in fictional characters, but in real life as well, where, like, so many men just miss the point where they don't listen. They don't yeah. hear what you're saying. And what I love about Steve is it's, like, he has his faults, but he listens, and he takes that information in, and then he does something with it. Yeah. He 100% owns up to any mistake that he does, and he learns, and he adapts. He, he is just as much adaptable uh emotions and feelings and mistakes as he is in the middle of a fight you literally see him handle like demodogs demogorgons demobats like yes he gets knocked down eventually at some point but he handles it a lot better than most would where you know people are screaming and running away he's willing to put himself out there put himself forward and deal with it instead of running and cowering he like he starts to do that a little bit sometimes but ultimately he ends up changing the situation completely he does it every single time he makes a mistake like the 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 conversation in season one where him and nancy have that kind of fight in the the school alley where he says like just you know don't mention the beers or anything he comes to her to apologize did anybody ever tell him hey you were kind of a jerk to nancy like that was kind of rude no he goes to apologize himself when he knows that something's wrong with her, he's, uh, and you know, the scene where he ultimately sees her and Jonathan uh, in her room together, that was him taking initiative because he knew something was off with her. He went out and put himself out there because he knew something was wrong. He's very much this kind of person who takes and absorbs information and can learn and adapt himself. He's the one that's going to apologize instead of someone saying, you should apologize. You should feel bad for what you did. Like he does it himself because he knows he was in the wrong. Just like the stuff with Robin. He he's like, Yeah, yeah, I was a horrible person. Like, you know, I wish I wish things had been different, but you know, I was a jerk. <laughs> and then he changes because he knows that he was, you know, not a good person, not in a you know, not the person that came out smelling like roses, and he adapts. He's this is such a great character, so unique, refreshing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a sad, I just have to say it's a sad commentary that he's such a refreshing character. Like, I love right? him. But the fact that it's like, man, guy is attractive and listens. And we're all like, oh my God. Right. Like the bar is on the floor. You know what I'm it's, saying? It's on the floor and Steve is leaping bounds over it. I know. I know. He so is. Um, and I've also seen a lot of great commentary about how Nancy has a lot of trauma about not being believed, you know, first about Barb, but also like Jonathan not believing her, her parents, like nobody. And so like 
that I love that scene by the car because it's like he's like whoa 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 she's receptive to it but she doesn't want to you know it's like oh it's it's a long shot you know she doesn't want to waste and everybody's he doesn't time care. no <laughs> and he is there in a heartbeat he's like I'm gonna go with you I'm gonna drive you there we're gonna do this like he does not care he's like okay Nancy's on to something she's done this we're here let's go he doesn't even hesitate to question it not for a second and i think that surprises nancy because the steve yeah. she used to know was hesitating was unsure and again he's not like he doesn't handle it well but he's not wrong i mean she does sound crazy like but she also hasn't seen him from the last you know oh yeah two seasons i don't, and, I don't mean that she, that she but, sounds crazy now i mean like in the no, past, she's like a man that had no face like yeah <laughs> you know like it doesn't you know, it's supposed there's a reason that the government is able to gaslight everybody and why Joyce looks crazy and Nancy looks crazy because yeah. it, it sounds crazy. And so she's I think she's genuinely surprised and pleased to find out that, like, Steve has become a person since they last spent, like, considerable time together. It's been like two yeah. years. She hasn't um, seen the Steve that walks with Dustin on a railroad track, putting down raw meat for a demodog that he hasn't even seen he's seen a little bit of its skin but he doesn't know what that is he's just kind of going on a whim she hasn't seen the steve that's like russians in the mall and hawkins definitely let's figure it out she hasn't seen that steve the only steve that she's seen is the steve that you know you're right you know a man with no face okay like and he seemed a little apprehensive and then the only other thing she's got for a point of reference is him running back in with the bat. And that's about it. You know, he 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 fights the Demogorgon and that's it. And she just assumes that whoever that Steve was, you know, he's dead and buried and he was only there for a second. And that was just some kind of fluke. She hasn't seen the rest of everything else that everyone else has been seeing this whole time. All the kids have seen it. I mean, Dustin, Max and Lucas saw him go up against and try to face like eight demodogs without question <laughs> and billy on top of that and, like, and billy billy tries to kill lucas and he like <laughs> and he handled it so well he he, mm -hmm. he handled it so well until he took a freaking plate to the head yeah because Billy I mean, fights dirty everyone makes comments dirty. about how steve can't fight but i've seen some great analysis out there and i agree with this steve, steve can, can fight, fight. But he he believes in fighting fair. He does yeah, not, and not take only that, shots. But I, I firmly believe in the um not just that, but maybe that he holds back against humans, right? Yeah, Billy is he doesn't still want a to hurt human. Them. He's an asshole, but he's human. And this Russian guy, like he's I don't even know the guy, you know, but I've got to take exactly. him out to protect Dustin and Robin, otherwise he might shoot them. So I've got to take him out and you know, neutralize the threat. But when he's against the Demogorgon and against the Demodogs, he doesn't hesitate. And you can see it in the moment when he fights the Demobat. He literally rips it in half with his bare hands and feet. Like, he doesn't hold back because this is a monster. This thing tried to kill me. He doesn't hesitate. If Billy or the Russian were even remotely close to those creatures as, as, they, as they are, he would have ripped him to shreds in a second because he wouldn't have been holding back. Same thing with the fight against Jonathan. Of course, he's not going to try and really attack Jonathan. He he doesn't take that fight even remotely serious. And when Tommy tries to step in to make things unfair, 
Steve is the one pulling him back and saying, no, let me like, this is my fight. Like, don't get into it. He's immediately taking responsibility for the fight and he holds back and it, you know, he ends up getting his face turned into like mincemeat, but he's, he's a fair person. That's exactly it. He doesn't want it to be dirty. No, he doesn't believe in that. And I also think with the fight with Jonathan, like people mock him for that. And like, I know Dustin likes to, well, obviously Dustin, and in fairness to Steve, like even from the beginning, clearly nobody else knows apart from like Nancy, Jonathan, him, Tommy, Carol, and Tina, like nobody knows what the actual context of any of that. He obviously hasn't told the kids because he knows they, you know, like he wouldn't talk about that. Yeah. He wouldn't talk about that. No, that's their business. You know, nobody else. Yeah. And because, you know, like, he obviously Jonathan's surprised. He doesn't think Jonathan, I mean, the guy's a beanpole. He doesn't <laughs> look like he could take Steve in a fight, but he doesn't know that he's been subjected to years of abuse by his father, so he can hold up in a fight. Yeah, He doesn't know about, the, and he, he knows his dad's a screw, but he doesn't know that Lonnie's been making, you know, homophobic slurs and comments at them their whole lives. So that, like, that just sets Jonathan off. Yeah. And, so when he realizes that, like like you said, he could have let Tommy step in and make that fight unfair, but he realizes, crap, I've set this guy off. A, he I can started fight. this. Yeah, I started this. B, like, he, I've obviously set this guy off. He's way tougher a fighter than I thought he was, but this is still my fight. And I, he's definitely holding back. He's yeah. definitely holding back. Um, and, and to that end, like, that's why Nancy's freaking out of the end being like, oh my God, Jonathan, you're going to hurt him because Jonathan's lost it and he's not thinking clearly. Jonathan has snapped. Yeah. He, yeah, at he that point, completely. is completely unhinged. Like, he is yeah. not holding back. This is a threat to his brother, his family, him. He's more worried about that kind of thing than he is anything else, that he's not thinking a single rational thought. There's nothing going on in that head other than just the color red. <laughs> yeah exactly and like i'm i really hope they're gonna come back to this in season Me five too. because uh, like that whole thing but also like the fact that like if hopper hadn't been there to pull jonathan out of trouble like he's the one that gets the whole thing dropped like hopper's coming in there saving everybody's ass the entire buyer's family from like day one and yeah jonathan like, was in handcuffs <laughs> yeah he makes the whole thing go away um, and I mean, rightly so. I mean, the companies are obviously idiots, but um, I know I've seen a bunch of different theories about, you know, why Jonathan didn't like Bob and, you know, kind of, you know, they. I, I thought they were going to get more into it the end of season four. I thought that we were going to find out what was really going on with Jonathan because we kind of get glimmers, but we don't really find out what the re- like what the cause of what's going on is. I think um, we get a bit of the idea when he says, yeah. when he voices his fears about, she's going to hate me, she's going to resent me, we're going to have kids, and it's just going to be awful. They're, the, my kids are going to resent me and hate me. You can definitely see that his fear is certainly around being a failure. Definitely yeah. around disappointing the people that he loves, the people that he cares about. And it's kind of ironic in a w- really um, self-inflicted you know, kind of way. Because he's terrified that that's going to happen and he's doing it because you see how his his absence is hurting Nancy. She's saying that she's upset that he wasn't there, that she's upset that he made this last minute excuse not to come to Hawkins. And he's saying that he's terrified that this and that is going to happen. What he doesn't realize is it is already happening, Jonathan. you're making it happen he's literally like anakin skywalker trying to figure out how to stop padme from dying you know 
And it's like, it's not going to, you know, you're not fixing anything by avoiding the problem. You're making it worse. And it's sad because it's like just watching a car crash in slow motion. Yeah. And you see that it's inevitable, but he is so completely blind to it. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think there's also a lot of good parallels to be made between him and Lonnie in that moment. And that, like, yes. he doesn't want to become his father. But it reminded yeah. me of something my dad always says. My dad's one of those people that gives you, like, random pearls of wisdom in the way that dads sometimes do. Uh-huh. Um, and one of his things is that a lot of people don't realize that, like, inaction or choosing not to do something is a choice and an action. Yes, it is. So, Right. So when you choose not to like whether you uh, how does he phrase it? Like, you know, when you you know, some people think that like by not making a decision, you're not making a decision. But that is a decision because things will happen whether you Regardless. make a choice or not. Mm-hmm. The world will continue to turn. Time continues yeah. to pass. And you not doing anything is an action in and of itself. Yeah. One hundred percent. Exactly. And that to me is what Jonathan is like. He's worried about winding up like his father. He's worried all these things are going to happen and he doesn't. He's so caught up in his own, um, you know, in what's going on. He doesn't realize that by not making a decision, by not telling his family what's going on, by not talking to Nancy, um, by not doing those things, by not owning up to what's going on, he's making a choice and he's causing what he fears to happen. Yeah. In a weird way, he's kind of like how nancy probably sees steve from season one and two you have steve saying let's just pretend we're teenagers let's just be teenagers again we'll just be teenagers for the night and then you have jonathan who's like maybe if i just ignore it and pretend like it's not happening everything will be fine everything will work out it's kind of ironic that the two kind of parallel in that way that steve says it and he doesn't necessarily get the chance to act on it because nancy pushes back but Nancy can't push back in this situation because Jonathan's not even reaching out to her in any way, shape, or form. He's just making the choice himself. He doesn't give her the chance to have a choice. No, exactly. And coming back to, to what I was saying from yeah. before is I hope they're coming back to this and in terms of Hopper and Jonathan. Like I really want Hopper and Jonathan to have scenes. Jonathan's not my favorite character at this point, I gotta be honest. Yeah. Like he's kind um, of been in the back seat for a while. He's been Nancy's chauffeur for three seats. Well, actually, technically Argyle was the chauffeur this season and he was <laughs> funnier and got more done than jonathan did ironically but it really is a shame that jonathan is on the back burner at this point he hasn't had a chance to really be an actual active character in a long time yeah for sure i'd Um, love to see him and hopper around but honestly what i really really want and what i don't think they'd ever give us i want a conversation between steve and jonathan i want actual conversation between these two men like (laughs) They are the center of Nancy's universe and they haven't spoken to each other since that fight. That was basically it. I mean, you have the tiny minuscule conversation that happened when everybody meets back up at the mall. You have that little hint of like Steve at their ambulance in the background of Will and Joyce's scene at the end of season three. I want to see them talk, them interact. I want to see something there. But um yeah, I, I don't think we'd actually get it. I think we're more likely to see what you're wanting, like like a Hopper and Jonathan kind of. I love Hopper. <laughs> really, I uh, just me want too. Him to- we're big Hopper fans. Ashley is a huge fan. So the first season oh, she yeah. saw that I think was, was season three that she has a soft spot. Or not the first one she saw, but the first one that kind of like dropped while she was watching it. I'm not describing this properly. Um, I think the first <laughs> one she watched live is I think what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So she has a soft spot for season three. 
Um, but yeah, we're big Hopper fans. We stand Hopper uh, on this show. I'm right there for you. I mean, I love David. He's an amazing actor. Uh, I just, uh, and I love his love for the character. I love his love and respect for the show, the characters and all of it. He is like the biggest Stranger Things supporter. And Hopper as a character is everything I wanted to see in an older man. He shows emotion. He feels pain. He's terrified of hurting others. The The scene in season four where he talks about where he's the curse. That scene. Oh, I, mean, I've I know. <laughs> I've rewatched season oh. four like four times. And every time I cry my eyes out. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, you don't understand. These people would move mountains for you, Hopper. Because you're an amazing character. And he makes that joke to Joyce. He's like, nobody showed up to the funeral. And she's like, are you kidding? You're the you're the hero of Hawkins like what are you talking about like you don't understand how valuable you are and he doesn't and I love that about him he's such a good character he's, he's such a good character um yeah yeah he's such a good character <laughs> and I love like when I saw the the TikTok premiere where they were or I guess it's, they just broadcast on TikTok or whatever um when he you know he when they asked him about what he was most excited for or, you know about the season he talked about that speech he said you know i've sat with this three years i'm so excited everyone gets to see it and yeah. then when i was watching it live and i watched that scene i like i was sitting with my friend we we're watching because we started watching at my place got as far as we could yeah. got up early the next morning went to her place <laughs> watched the the second That's half awesome. But as, yeah, as, as he was talking um, to Dimitri and as he started speaking, I was like, oh, in my head, I'm like, oh my God, this is it. I can yeah. tell from the music and the tone of his voice, like, this is the speech. This is the speech. Yeah, you know it. You know it the and, second you start hearing it. That score yeah. alone. Yeah. Oh, but I was not. And like, I knew they said they were going to hear more about his backstory. And I, I, I knew that, you know, he kind of had that vibe of, he was being really hard on himself, but the 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 reveal that that he blames himself for he Sarah for Sarah as if it's kind of weird that got me, and I'm like, it, it, it makes so much sense for his character, right? Because it's like, well, he's trying to prove, like even season seasons two and three, where like he's not at his best, and him and loving and like they're being pretty abusive towards each other like yeah they're, but you, they're not and she's, happy it's a great kid and parent relationship though it's exactly both levels you see both sides and you see both frustrations but you in season four you get hopper's real side of it it's that fear of seeing the same thing happen of being that curse of letting her have the freedom and then having it ripped away should something bad happen to her he's terrified of putting her out there and giving her the chance to fly because what if she doesn't what if he has to watch another girl die because of him what if it's his fault it's heartbreaking and he feels like it's inevitable and i don't blame him Elle's already been through so much and now he's terrified that she's also gonna have to go through him and he just sees that as inevitable it's well, i'm i'm <laughs> fine <laughs> it's heartbreaking it's I mean, heartbreaking the first time I watched it, I watched it with a few friends on our um, on our server, and we all watched it together. As he's saying it, and he says, "Like I'm, I'm not cursed." I'm like, "Don't you say you're the curse? Don't you dare say it!" And then he says it, and I was just, God, I'm like, "You are so much more than that. Like, give yourself more credit." But I get, you get it, you get the fear of that, and you get why he wanted to keep Evan safe as much as humanly possible. It hurt the both of them. 
yes, but he's been hurting most of his life. It's nothing for him. Yeah, I feel like you get that sense where it's like, I don't care how much like this, you know, this upsets you, this upsets me. Like, I have to keep you safe. That is the most important thing. Yeah. And I think that's why I love Joyce and Hopper's relationship. Like, I'm a Stancy shipper to the end. But oh, I love Jopper as well. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. And I also, <laughs> absolutely. Winona and David are so incredible. Like, they have great chemistry on they screen. Really do. They get each other. You can see those two actors and they, they understand each other in a way that, like, they, they just, yeah. they just get it. Right. They look at each other. They understand each other. They, and I've listened to like a few interviews where David and Winona, they talk about like how, actors back in the day you know they had a way of handling like real emotional scenes and not many people want to get in the ring and do that kind of thing and they're both very raw and vulnerable with each other and it's it's great they have this unusual respect for each other that most people don't have and i i love it it's very unique they're amazing (laughs) i i completely agree and something i think is unique to the show and there's so many unique elements to the show where ashley said this before but there's something for everybody you know, yeah. if you're really into sci-fi or fantasy or relationships or the 80s, or you're just looking for like, you want to see, you want to see characters get crazy. You want real you want emotional vulnerability. Monsters. <laughs> you want government experience. Like whatever you're into, it has it. I love that. Yeah. And something I think is really unique is that it's rare for a show to have a relationship with two older characters who you know you really root for yet and like you know people have you know varying opinions on all of the other ships but i think not every single person but almost unanimously i would say the majority of fans the bulk like, of the fandom yes yeah love Hopper. and yeah. love genre and it's rare to have a show where like the focus the focus is on the the supernatural and the monsters but you know second to that is the relationships and it's rare to have a show where that is the case, where you root so hard for them and you, you you connect so deeply with characters that I think for the majority of people, like who grew up in the 80s, it's different. For anyone who didn't, like you really root for them and that that's rare. Do you know what I mean? For them to have yeah. a connection and chemistry at that level. And there's so- Well, that's also the thing, right? Most shows that um, that focus on the younger characters, right? You've got the focus on the party and you've got the focus on the older teens, like Steve and Nancy and Jonathan. Um, it's very rare for those kind of shows to have adults forming a relationship and falling in love with each other. Look at Buffy. Can you name one? Like people thought that Joyce and Rupert probably would have gotten together, but it never happens. And there's not really something- for Giles as a relationship that is even remotely on on par to what Joyce and Hopper are. Look at Teen Wolf. Almost every single adult in that show is single and there's no real like especially like series-wide relationship that builds from the start to the finish. You don't really have anything like that in shows that are focused on the the teenagers like ever and Joyce and Hopper you want it to work for both of them because you know Joyce is an amazing person she's awesome she fought for her son from the moment she she got on screen she was fighting for Will and Will's life like the second you see her that's what she's doing and you see Hopper and you kind of realize you know this guy he's been through it he's not in a great place mentally but he's you know he's doing a job he's got a job to do and you see 
almost immediately after these two characters interact with each other, you see that he cares about her and he worries about her. There's the one scene where he he leaves them inside the house and he goes back to his car. in the truck. Yeah, when he he takes his hat, puts it over his eyes and lays back because he is terrified of going home and something happening when he's not there. He doesn't even, I mean, they know each other obviously from like way back, but there's no romance really here yet. It's building. But you already see a love that is there from the start because he is terrified to go home and hear that maybe Joyce has like disappeared as well or Jonathan has disappeared as well or something happened and he wasn't there to to prevent it or to, to save them or to protect them immediately and I just I love that even from the start and they're just in it from that moment it's such a great relationship it really is and I'm really excited to see the whole like Byers Hopper family dynamic in season Mm -hmm. five I'm really excited I need all of them together yes 11 Jonathan Will Hopper Joyce I need the whole unit together I need all all of them stuck in that cabin yes like that's (laughs) a sitcom to itself Mike coming in awkwardly to like make out with Al from time to time. And like, there's a little bit of awkwardness there, but, and you see Hopper's kind of a little upset about it, but Joyce is like, just let them, they're teenagers. (laughs) And you're going to be like, God damn it, use all the hot water. We've been over this. Like, (laughs) yes. Out of echoes again. This is a Jopper podcast, not about Stancy. What are we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) We'll get back on, yeah, we should get back on topic. Um, I can't help it. It's Stranger Things. It kind of, yeah. It's it's a show that just it kind of involves everybody. You kind of have yes. to be in it for at least the like the the very specific things, right? You always want to root for Eleven. You always want her to succeed. You always want Joyce and Hopper to get together. It's those very specific things that you kind of want. Pretty much everybody, at least I would think, the bulk of the fandom wants to work out. Yeah, a hundred percent. And people circled. The reason I brought this up in the first place was I really want to use with Jonathan and Hopper. Yes, because um, I I've seen people comment on this that may, it's never explicitly stated why you know Jonathan makes a comment about not liking Bob's jokes, and obviously mm. he saw through Lonnie in a way that Joyce didn't, and that's not shade against Joyce. I mean, obviously Lonnie is an abusive manipulator, so I don't blame her at all um but my point is that like i i've seen people comment on this that you know part of the reason that you know jonathan was never really cool with joyce and bob dating is that to them like hopper's always been there for them um since will went through you had that and... great moment in the funeral not in what's it in the funeral home no it wasn't in the funeral home it was in the morgue i think the morgue when they're outside where, the morgue yeah, yeah where he tells hopper he's like no she's she's strong my mom's strong like she can handle it like we're we're gonna be okay and that's such a soft moment between them it's so good and it's like one of if not the only real interaction you get with them other than like him being in handcuffs but, but that's more about like callahan <laughs> you well, know no, that I mean, he wants to go with him to look for Willow in season one. And Hopper's like, no, like you stay with your little mom. bits. Yeah, yeah. little shades like that. But it, but not like really intimate, mm. like vulnerable moments like that scene in the morgue. And it, and it's it's a shame because obviously you see, I think Jonathan in season four would have definitely benefited with Hopper being in his life. 
he would not have ended up in the situation that he was because like Joyce may be a little bit blind to what's going on in Jonathan's life. Hopper would have been on it in a second. In a second. mm -hmm. 100%. And the way I kind of saw that was Joyce is grieving. She's juggling a new job. She's got three kids. Yeah, she's dealing with her things. Yeah, but Um, but she's not seeing him even when they're at the table, at the dinner table. She's like, Jonathan, what is wrong? I think she wants to see the best in him. That's how I kind of saw it. I don't blame her. I don't blame her. Yeah. I want to too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and all my friends said this. We are all so mad this didn't happen. We thought this was gonna happen in volume two. And we were so bad they pushed it to season five. But we we're all like, one of my friends literally said to me, she was like, I feel like Hopper's gonna show up and in five seconds is gonna know what's up with Jonathan. Yes. He's gonna know what's going on with Will. He's gonna look at them and in five seconds been like, okay, so this is the situation. What are we doing about this? Right yeah, now. he's a cop. That both yeah, of oh, the things 100%. happening with both of them is exactly oh, yeah. what he would notice in a heartbeat. He's been trained to hone in on those things and notice them and deal with them immediately. There is no way he he would have downplayed that situation. He would have sat down with Jonathan immediately. It really is a shame you don't get like the only real interaction. And I mean, it's it's totally valid for the only interaction to really be between him and L because they have been separated. They are like it for each other. Like they're that that's, that's the father and daughter relationship you want to work and you want to see them like reconnect because you've seen how it affects both of them not being around each other. You see that 11 is heartbroken that he's gone and she was terrified of letting him go. And she says she leaves the door three inches open. Oh, I know. That gutted me. And you see that at the beginning of season four when they're, yes. when she's doing yes. the, the dialogue and it goes through into her room. Her door is open three inches. Mm-hmm. Yep. She's got it wide open right there for him just in case he shows up. And it's so that. He, when he laughs. Just when oh he's my like, gosh, I know, yes. When he okay. smiles. Uh, and that lightness. It gets he's, me. Yeah, it gets me too because it's and. Uh, he has my hair your hair and (gasps) i can't just the softness between these two characters who both are are they went through hell they went through hell alone both of them and they come out and it's i mean i know a lot of people are uncomfortable with the fact that they shave both their heads like i get it i wanted 11 to enjoy her long hair and feel pretty and i i wanted that for her but I love that they both go through this journey together and they come out on the other side and without even knowing everything, they see each other and they know what they've been through. They know that they both have been through a lot and they're so kind to each other. There's no, I missed you. You weren't there for me. It's immediately like her crying and smiling and him holding her. And it's, oh, it's so good. It's such chef's kiss. Oh, <laughs> it could not have such- gone better. It's such an amazing moment, and I'm like I said, I'm I'm kind of I'm mad they pushed it season five, but I hope that means we're going to get more of kind of the Hoppers buyer family dynamic kind of I love piece, it piece yeah. throughout season five because um, I think one of the reasons it makes Joyce and Hopper so great is that they're they really complement each other well. They're a team. They work. They are a so team. Well. Oh, 100%. Yes. And I don't like the idea about completing someone because I think you but they complement each other yes really well for me because whereas Joyce sees wants to see the best in people Hopper's been trained to see the truth the truth and, exactly 
And, and I think they also share a lot of the same fears, right? So they both share that fear that, well, if they're not watching them, something horrible is going to happen. They're going to die. Something horrible is going to happen. And for most parents, that is a fear that will never come true. But for yeah. them, it has come true. Has so come they true. share that. Multiple yeah. times. Not only that, but like, despite how they approach things differently, at the end of the day, what they want is for these children to be happy. They want them to be happy. Oh, they want them to be safe. That is the two most important things. They don't care how it how it happens as long as they're taken care of. That's the most important thing to them. They don't they don't care about the nuances. The most important thing is that they're safe and happy. Yeah, and I think what gets me about <laughs> that is sorry. Go ahead. No, I just love it. I love it. I love their dynamic. There. I mean, they both handle it in such different ways. Like. Hopper can be kind of a hard ass sometimes, but he still loves her and wants Eleven to be safe and happy. Doesn't matter. Anything else is, you know, not a, not as important. No, I'll give it a great. And I think something mm-hmm. that I definitely think we're going to see them grapple with in season five um, that I'm excited for, as painful as I think it will be at moments, is Joyce and Hopper having to accept the realization, if they haven't already, that they want their kids to be safe, happy, and healthy. But in the situation they are in, even with all of the, you know, even when they defeat the bad guys, all three may not be possible. Like they can be yeah. happy or they can be safe and healthy. Like, you know what I mean? Like they can keep them wrapped in bubble wrap and, or they can go out and be free, but they won't be as safe. Yeah. Or, you know, we don't know what the long-term health implications of what L has gone through are going to be. Or yeah. will, or like that's or Hopper that himself. Or yeah, Hopper, Hopper, exactly. Hopper went through a lot. Yeah, no, it, absolutely. And I really hope they're going to get into this. I feel like they are because they again they set up so much in season four. I don't think they would have. And there's so many things Ash and I have talked about this where like um, Steve and Auntie, like they brought back storylines in season four. I thought were dead in the water. I never and, thought they were going to pick up. Steve I know, right? I had, I had given <gasps> it up. I the, especially I know, so like. I, Season three felt like the nail in the coffin, right? Right. You had Steve protecting Nancy and and that was basically it. You know, you kind of get a little bit of back and forth between them and Steve saying, you know, lying. No, I'm not. And you can tell he's lying about it. He wants to believe that he's mm-hmm. not still in love with her. And I was like, okay, that's the nail in the coffin. You know, they bookended it. They let us know that those feelings, you know, people don't just get over them, but this is it. This is the end. Why would they bring it to focus on it when in season three, it is such a not focus. <laughs> and yeah. then I, uh, I had a bingo card for season four and I expected at least an interaction one. And interaction. <laughs> one interaction. You got an interaction. Well, you very happy when she's well, they, they had that scene where Nancy waves and Steve waves and they're looking at each other. And I'm sitting here looking at it and I'm like, the way she's looking at him, that is not a normal way to, to look at anyone in this situation other than relief that he's there when he needs her most. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm just reading fanfic details into it. And then the next episode happened. And the next. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, okay. So we're like diving right off the deep end Mm -hmm. from the start. They weren't subtle about it at all. Especially when the script. The script is like. 
Dustin's literally like, are we going to talk about this? Like, the crazy stuff about you throwing yourself at Nance? Like, he's like, it was pretty, there were a lot of witnesses. (laughs) I'm like, Like, yeah, me, I'm right here. (laughs) And I'll be honest, like, it took me a while to really, to see it. Because, when you know, when Dustin says that, I was like, like, he got... Like, he's not into her. Like, she's not into him. Like, I, it took me a minute because it was so dead in the water at that point that I was kind of like, well, we know he'll always love her and we know she'll always care about yeah. him. But then it, 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 yeah, I, it took the next, I think the next, the next episode, the one after that, they all blend together. But like all the stuff that happens in the, you know, in the upside, where she goes after him and the upside down. And that was the moment when I was like, you know, the scene with the cave. I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Okay, we're oh we're going okay now. I'm yeah, here. I realized that it, they were that Stancy was back on the moment the conversation with the Sherlock Holmes thing happened. I was like, yeah, because you can push off a lot of things, but when he's stumbling over his words mm-hmm. and he walks mm-hmm. off, you see this look on her face. She's like, <gasps> what? But you can see she's charmed by him. She's so and charmed. He, she's so charmed. She's like, okay, I don't understand what that was, but that was cute. <laughs> and I was immediately like, oh, we're uh-huh. actually, they're not just misinterpreting things. Because there's a little red herring when Dustin's talking to Steve about um about it. And he says, you know, well, yeah. like, I guess since you don't have feelings for Robin, obviously this is the only explanation. And it's like, okay, so he's he doesn't even That's know That's what about I saw. Robin, I saw so. the red herring. Yeah. I saw the red herring. If he doesn't know about Robin, why would he know about Nancy? So he's just misunderstanding everything because he's a kid, right? Like, it just, you see it that way. But when you rewatch it, there are these little moments. There's the moment where Robin's, and the first scene with Steve and Robin in the car. And she says, like, you can, you know, uh, go and flirt with a girl. And if she, like, turns you down, like, you know, your feelings are, your ego's a little bruised. And you see this expression on his face where he, he's like, it's kind of like this, I can flirt with a girl, but does it really matter? Like, he's not yeah. ever flirting with a girl that he's actually the most invested with. So, yeah, his ego might be bruised, but nothing compared to what Nancy put him through. Nothing at all, because it's never going to be Nancy. And then there's the moment where they're in the family video, and she's in there saying, I wish we could just, like, merge and everything. And then, you know, you you are, like, so comfortable with the girls and everything. And you can see that same expression on his face. Joe Keery does the same thing. It's mm-hmm. this little pass that's just a constant reminder that you're failing in every relationship you're in right now because none of them are Nancy. <laughs> yeah. And he's just, he can get in a relationship with any girl he wants to. For the most part, he's attractive. He's freaking hot. Like, and he's funny enough that any girl would be charmed in a heartbeat. And he's rich. And, and he's all- rich. And he has a good car. And, you know. Yeah. He's cute, you know. He's he's good enough. Yeah. He's gainfully employed. Girl... He's got a cool yeah. job. He's got um, a job. He can get the movies, you know, whatever. And yeah. you know, so he can get theoretically most girls, but it's never going to be the girl that he actually wants. None of them are going to be good enough. So it doesn't yeah. really matter in the end. And in, in the end, he's in the same boat that Robin is in because she can't get Vicky, who's the girl that she's crushing on, and Steve can't get Nancy period <laughs> yeah no that's 100 it and this is something that, that my friend caught when we were watching when we kind of like i think we got to the scene where um so they go in and the, with the demo bats 
And yeah. we had to pause because we were like, oh my God, because he's so hot in that scene. We were like, <laughs> yes, whoa. Yes. We're like, Dear whoa. God in heaven. I was like, my God. Oh my God. Goodness. We were like, whoa. Go get yeah. some water. Like literally, literally. That um, the whole scene, the moment he gets pulled into the gate yeah. and through, I thought I was watching a fanfic I had written. I was sitting there like, did I write this? I wrote this, didn't I? Like, what? Like, goodness, you get all the wump of like Steve being hurt and wounded and he falls against the rock and Nancy's like, oh my God, no, you're bleeding. And like, <laughs> spitting up like, the I'm blood and she's like, hey this. there. And like, oh, it's <laughs> yeah. so bad. He's so hot. And him, like, just slamming the bat in the ground. You hear the, like, moment when he turns and grabs the bat and he says, come here. And he, like, grabs it. And I'm like, okay, I just need to go, like, sit down. I'll be in my bunk. Like, (laughs) my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Best scene of the show. (laughs) Yeah, definitely 100%. Still can't believe that scene ended. My goodness. All while he's shirtless. The whole scene. Like, did they deliver? My goodness. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah no definitely 100% agree oh, an amazing scene no. <laughs> but yeah no 100% um yeah so it was that scene and the falling stuff of the rock and I was like oh my gosh and my friend turned to me and said after we watched that episode um she goes I feel like they're setting up Steve and Nancy because why else can't he find the perfect girl that's all that makes sense like yeah I thought going into this season that my, you know, I, and I have proof of this, like after every season I do a, like a little Tumblr post where I'm like kind of my thoughts on the season. Haven't done it for season four yet. Cause there's just so much. There's a lot of thoughts to be had. <laughs> so many drafts. Um, and I have to finish. I've rewatched volume one. I have, I still have to finish rewatching volume two. Cause it's so long. It but, is long. It is long. That, that second episode is a movie in and of itself. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, but yeah, we we were talking about that. It's like, why else can't he find the perfect girl? And you know, and my thoughts after last season was, I don't know, like season three. You know, wasn't crazy about the Russia plot that season. But one of my hopes, my biggest hopes for season four was that Steve and Robin were going to get great love interests because I like I love her coming out scene. But I like most fans because it was really set up that way. Thought that you know um steve and robin were, you know were going to be an endgame couple mm-hmm. and yeah i you know when that didn't happen i was like oh man i felt really bad for them because it's like it's a beautiful scene but it's like man like steve can't be with nancy or robin robin can't be with tammy thompson or with steve and i really i really wanted them to find love so i was so happy when they did the whole plot with vicky this season love that for her yeah um and so i had this moment where i was like oh he's dating all these girls one everybody and you know when the photos were coming out everybody on top of it was like and Twitter and everything was like oh is it this girl is it this girl is it this girl and then like we get part way through the season and you're like okay well it's clearly not one of those girls like what's going on and you realize oh it's because they're bringing this back it's steve and nancy like you realize that's what it is yeah, and he puts himself out there, too, in the biggest possible way. He yeah. puts everything out there. The ball is completely in her court at this point. There's no reason for him to put himself out there again at this point when she's made it clear that, you know, obviously she's got some things to think about and some feelings to sort through. But it's very clear that she's interested. She's sitting there staring at him in the boat when he takes off I his know. shirt. And Robin <laughs> clocks like, it? 
Robin love- clocks it fast, man. Not only fast, but you can tell that she is happy because she's sitting here watching because she's been in Steve's life this whole time. We haven't seen Steve in what, like nine months or something like that. She has seen Steve every single day. She knows his feelings. The scene where she's like telling Nancy, like, hey, me and Steve are just friends. That's not just her saying that to resolve things between her and Nancy so that they can at least get along to get the job done. She is doing background work because she knows something. And you know she knows it because she says it later on that I'm just, I just think that some relationships, you know, should have been, you know, snuffed out in the first place. And she doesn't say literally that, but you know what I mean? She's like, she's doing the background work and she's, she knows Steve's side of it. So even though Steve told her in season three that he didn't have feelings for Nancy anymore, Robin knows that that's not true and has had this time to observe him and listen to him throughout every single day, all of his love life, all of his relationships. And what has she gathered as valuable information from that? That Steve is in love with Nancy still. So obviously he's saying and doing something there. And the second she sees that the girl that her best friend is in love with is still into him, even if it's just a physical thing, She's happy because she knows, cool, my best friend might actually still have a chance. <laughs> yeah. And, and she's, she's happy for him. Yeah, she's so happy for him. And I, I love kind of the evolution of their relationship because like in the same way that like, you know, I, I love I love her coming out to him because you have that moment, you see it with Steve. And again, we talk about him adapting and growing and listening. Immediately. Immediately. And you see it on his face where she's like, hey, have you OD'd over there? And he's like, just thinking, you can see his thought process. He's like, I can accept this. I can walk away. I can be a dick about this. Or I can make I can her ch- laugh. Yeah, I can try and, and cheer her up, make her feel better, make her and, not feel like the end of the world is happening. Yeah, and let her know it's okay. And you can yeah. see the thought process where he's like, I, you know, I have laughed more this summer than I have in a really long time. I like this person. Okay, so it's not going to be what I thought it was, but we can still be friends. And like that's okay, and he adapts yeah. immediately. He doesn't hold it against her. He doesn't make it about him in any way, shape, or form. And I know a lot of people are pissed off about it because they're like, "Oh, Steve wasn't as supportive as he could have been, and everything." And I'm like, "You don't understand. This it's is very 19- supportive. This is the 1980s. This is a, as far as we know, cis white boy who was in love with a girl or." was convincing himself that he was in love with a girl that kind of conversation could have went very wrong had it been someone like i don't know jason carver or somebody on that level it could have gone very differently it could have resulted in her murder it could have resulted yeah. in and her he knows being... that yeah he knows that and not only that but she's sitting there telling him that like he was a jerk in high school and he agrees with that and and it's very clear that he's changed and she understands that, but she doesn't fully understand it until that moment when he accepts her and he doesn't sit there and say, oh, what, you like girls? Okay, cool. And like make like a joke about it or be really harsh or cruel. Instead, he immediately wants to comfort her and let her know that it's okay. And he doesn't even make it that you're into girls. He makes it, oh, it's Tam- Tammy Thompson. She's like the worst. <laughs> he does make such it. A dud. She sounds like a yeah. muppet. You could do better than her. Like, yeah, immediately he makes it not so much that it's a girl, it, that it's a person. That's mm-hmm. it. And it's not like I'm a thousand times better than her. Like, look at me. It is not about him at all. Love that man. He's so adaptive. That is exactly yeah. it. He handles yeah. it 
better than you could ever hope for someone to handle it in that kind of situation. Because that conversation's scary. I had that conversation myself in the early aughts. And I was terrified to have that conversation with my best friend. And I've known her since I was like five years old. And I was still terrified to have that conversation. I can't imagine what it would have been like in the 80s with a boy that you've known for barely a little bit of a summer. <laughs> like what? Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I also love too that like, and I think we saw this in the beginning that like, you know, the King Steve thing was always an act. He doesn't make any of those weird like lesbian jokes that remember when those were not popping, at all, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, they still happen, but like, they, like you know, like you talk about the 90s and, and in the 2000s, you know, and as well, like it, those type of jokes were very common and Steve doesn't do that. You never see him being disrespectful, you know, and he's, you know, he makes her laugh. He supports her. And we see in season five that he, he's doing, he's doing the, he's no, he's doing the work, right? He's doing yeah. the, you know, he's, he's looking at what Vicky's looking up at, and returning at family video he's trying yeah. to actively help her out and then you know robin returns that favor and is like oh you're looking at him with his shirt off and not even for the front can we talk about it the fact that it's the back she's it's looking the back. at his back <laughs> you have to be really into somebody you have to be crushing hard to look at their back and to be, be fair like, okay yeah. has a solid 10 out of 10 back <laughs> i mean i'm not the saying i'm just saying that's not a casual, you don't just casually look at someone, but True. you know what I mean? You have to be mm. really into them. <laughs> but like, I love that, you know, Robin returns that favor. You know, he's been, he's been a great friend to her and he doesn't have to be like, that's the thing. He could have walked away. He could have been a real dick about it. He could have said something. All he does is cover for her and be a really good friend. And so she returns the favor and is like trying to help him out and do basically do the same thing that, that he's done for her all this time yeah and he doesn't tell other guys like back in the 80s even 90s even early aughts mm -hmm. you had people not understanding that you don't just out somebody you don't just say that even yeah. if it's to someone like steve probably knows in his mind that if he'd said yeah robin's a lesbian that's why we're like just platonic friends if he'd said that to nancy he knows that nancy wouldn't react negatively to it she'd just be like oh okay and that would have explained everything. Does he use that as any kind of fuel whatsoever? Not at all. He slips up a little bit for a second because he's like, mm, I can't say that. Mm, I can't say that either. And he avoids it as much as possible. But you can definitely tell that he's a guy that's like, no, that's not okay to say. That's not okay to say. And doesn't broach it whatsoever. He just says, yeah, it's just, you know, I would date her. But, you know, she's cool. Yeah. But that's and, it. And I like that it's. I think the reason he slips, like he kind of slips up for the minute there is he doesn't want Nancy to think that he's being shallow and doesn't want to date Robin or that he's saying that she's not pretty or she's not smart or she's not interesting. And that's, to me, that's why he kind of slips for a second because he's like, he wants her to know that like, he would definitely date her, but, and he's like, oh crap, can't say that. Yeah, exactly. So he's, he's being a good friend there. He's like, my friend is great. There was a reason I wanted to date them. Everyone should want to date them. My friend is great. We're and I'm not going to make any excuses about it. But the one excuse that I have, the only excuse, because it's the most valuable, because it's the truth, I can't even say, I can't even hint to, and I'm not going to. And he doesn't. Whereas any guy in the 80s 
whether they're a good person or not, would not have known to keep something like that a secret. But he knows Robin well enough to know, be respectful. She's not out. She wouldn't want other people to know. And the last thing she would want is him telling people. Whether it's right or wrong, he doesn't do it anyway because that's none of his, his business, right? It's his business when he's trying to pair her up with Vicky. <laughs> that's the yeah. only time it's his business. Exactly. And he's okay to, and happy to do that when they're alone. Even if it means making his friendship with Dustin a little uncomfortable because Dustin's in there saying, oh, why aren't you just dating Robin? Why aren't you just dating Robin? Like, what's what's going on there? Steve's still like, mm, no, that's not the only reason. Like, but he doesn't say anything. He doesn't say the reason. He doesn't even remotely hint to it. The reason could be anything. And he doesn't even hint to it. Guys in the 80s probably wouldn't have given one about a lash at it. No, 100%. I think you see how everything with, you know, the ups and downs, the government conspiracies has changed these characters because you're right. But I think what Steve learned from all of that and what happened about everything is there's certain things you just don't talk about or you yes. just act if someone doesn't want to. And I, I would like, I'd like to point out at this point that for all of Steve's, you know, Steve does some stuff, you know, in the first season or it's alluded to in the past that he's done that's not great. We know this. But yeah. even back then, like he set up to be this real douche. And obviously that's, to me, that's a bit of a carryover from, like a lot of the dialogue is, you know, moved over from the original script. And so mm -hmm. it doesn't make as much sense in the final version uh, because of Joe Carey's amazing performance. But even back then, like in, in the final version we get, you know, for all of Nancy's talking about these other girls and stuff, Steve, you know, first of all, makes it clear the next day that, oh, I didn't say anything. I would never say anything. Yeah. And he, he truly believes his friends aren't going to say anything, um, which shows that, you know, his version of them in his head is not real. No, uh, not at all. Yeah. But I mean, that's very common at that age, I think. But mm. also those other girls, like however, however it is known about what happened with other girls, that means that they likely said something or other people said something because he makes it clear he doesn't do that. He's not somebody for all of his faults you know, at that time, from the beginning, he is not somebody that kisses and tells. He is not somebody that goes around town and is like, I slept with this person. This person is gay. This person, like, he does not do that because he intimately understands, even in his douchey phase, if we can call it that, yeah, um, that that's, that's not what you do. That's not no. what I think it's pretty clear, especially even in season one, that a lot of the things that he says and does are things that he either has said or heard other people say and do right like the lashing out at jonathan he's saying what people in the town think people in the town feel he's not reflecting on himself whatsoever it's all it's all things that we've been led to hear throughout the season and, and kind of understand up to that point it's very much he uses that as a weapon to get a reaction out of someone as he's great at getting a reaction out of someone my goodness he got quite yeah. the reaction <laughs> he got nailed in the face for it but he knew exactly the buttons to push exactly the things to say to get the result he wanted he wanted jonathan to lash out does he get the absolute shit beaten out of him for it yeah which is kind of probably the result that he wanted I don't think that he felt like he was doing anything good. They make it pretty clear that the person that's spray painting is Tommy, not Steve. When Nancy walks up to them, who's standing in the back just watching them do it? Steve. And yes, like our conversation before about being passive, 
and just watching something happen, that's still an action in and of itself. So he is very much allowing this thing to happen, but he's not the one putting that stuff there because he's gathering all this stuff from other people and just using that as a thing. It's Tommy that's spray painting. Even in the scene when him and Tommy have that falling out at the car, he says, you never should have done that. Which, what is he talking about in that moment? Obviously, he's talking about the spray painting. So he just gathers these things from people and uses them and uses them as weapons. And he doesn't use them in very careful ways in season one. But you see him taking it in later seasons and learning it and adapting it and keeping the important things, the things that could get people hurt to himself. And sometimes he uses it as a little bit of a weapon. Like there's a theme, the scene where... um him and Dustin are talking to the car and he's like, uh, oh, I'll hit you so hard your teeth will go back in or something like that. And he realizes when Dustin goes, oh, not okay. And she's like, right, right, not okay. <laughs> he yeah, immediately like, is like, whoa, I took that one to a whole new level. I took that too far. Yeah, yeah. because he's, but again, it goes back to Nancy because you can tell he lashes out in that moment a little bit because he, like, he's bugging him he's about still a little bit of that mean girl too he's still yeah. got a little he's he was born into that kind of thing and we yeah. saw him use it as a weapon in season one he uses it better now but i love that they show that he can still make mistakes but he's he's so quick at realizing he needs to apologize in season one it took less than 24 hours in this moment it was instant immediately he was like i'm sorry I'm sorry. He looks at Dustin's face even before he's like too far. Like too far. he just looks at his face and he knows. He knows he immediately. Knows. He's like, oh nope, I said the wrong thing there. That was that was awful. And to to push on that even a, a more how proactive he gets even before he needs to acknowledge anything. When he goes and thanks Eddie for like helping save him, he 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 is the one that walks up and initiates that conversation. It's like, hey Eddie, like I just want to say like thanks for saving me. And Eddie's immediately there to say, like, no, you don't have to thank me, like, whatever. But Steve is the one going and thanking someone else. He is taking that initiative, which is something that season one Steve would have maybe gotten to, but it might have taken him a day. <laughs> Instead, he's doing it actively, immediately, the moment he has a chance. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how they've showed that progression. Yeah. Steve, you know, I think, I think Steve is a classic case of, you know, um, from what we know about his family, you know, the people around him, you know, he comes from, you know, a rich background that I think for Steve, you know, his, he's talking about what an ass his father is, his mother being cold, um, you know, Tommy and Carol, his best friends, you know, all that, you know, I think he was just around people like that his whole life. So it didn't even occur to him, I don't think, until he starts dating Nancy and starts seeing the other side of it that like he's like, on the one hand, he knows what he's doing is wrong, but I don't think it, it even really dawns on him that he's really hurting people. Yeah, he what hears he's doing. it. He's heard it. He is probably, I mean, we don't get a lot of insight into his parents, but he's definitely no. reiterating mm -hmm. things that he has heard in his own personal life. Like the way that Tommy talks about, um, you know, Jonathan, where he's like, yeah, it's, he's probably the one that killed his brother or whatever. And you, even there, you see Steve is like, that's not okay to say. Like he stops Tommy. He's like, don't, like what? So you can kind of see that. But he laughs a little about it because he's still been in this environment for an extended period of time all of his life. So he's he's just using the things that he's heard. And he doesn't necessarily know how that affects people until Jonathan 
rushes out and slams his fist into his face and then he's like right that kind of stuff really hurts people i hurt him so he hurt me physically but i did just as much damage and still he's he's the one that goes to apologize even though his face looks like really hot but really bad <laughs> yeah no 100 percent. like i I, th- I think he knew he knew what he was, was wrong but when you're around, like it's like you know when you're swimming in water you don't you know fish don't realize they're swimming in water until you know what i mean like he, i don't think he really he knew it was wrong but like when you're surrounded by it all the time it just seems normal until he realizes no i'm really you know what we're doing is hurting people and like he says tommy harrell you just don't like her because she's nice. Like your whole reason for being is just being a dick to people because you can, because they're not miserable like you are. And, and because you see like, her caring about people as a weakness, but obviously it's a not weakness. I look at her and I see nothing but strength. Like, I love how he handles that scene when he tells, I, I mean, that, that's the, the thing about Slow I mean, is even in season one, he's not utilizing these good things that he does as a tool to make people feel bad for him he doesn't go to nancy and say hey i stood up for you with tommy i went you know to the theater to clean your name off of there he doesn't use that as any kind of thing to get an in with her he goes to jonathan to apologize not to say hey jonathan guess what i like cleaned up (laughs) he wants to say sorry he's not using it as a as a weapon because he's very much shark around other sharks and has seen these people just destroy anything and everything near them just because it's lesser, it's weaker, it's whatever. And he doesn't want to be like them because he sees the damage that it results in when he tries to use it himself like someone who is smaller, weak, quiet, reserved. He does the lash out instead, probably what Tommy would have done to him any other time. Which Tommy makes a hint to that as well in that conversation. He says, you run away like you always do, Stevie boy. He says that. And it's you can definitely tell that Steve is learning from this and has realized this is not the kind of person he wants to be. He doesn't want to be the kind of person that picks on lesser people like he did. Yeah, 100%. That is it. And like, also, to me, that's the turning point for Steve because... Like the yeah. stuff it takes. Like I know a lot of people point to this about where he thanks Nancy. You know, we talk about him thanking Eddie. The, oh my gosh, know, yes. Oh my gosh. But even then, like the strength it takes, because like Jonathan just isn't some random loner. Like he committed a crime against them. Like they were the victims yeah. of a crime. He does fucked up illegal shit, which he never apologized or atones for in any way. By the way, just he apologizes to Nancy in a very half-assed kind of way. Yeah, like, very yeah, that ha- was only like, because she calls like, him on it. <laughs> that's like like a not a, an okay thing that I did. And but but yeah, you should have apologized to both of them. First of all, it's, all of them actually. Like yeah, and not only that, but like. Gosh, I really think they handled Jonathan in the worst possible way. In season I concur. One. It's definitely seen through some kind of male gaze. They should have had at least one woman on that board sitting there saying, no, Nancy wouldn't have been okay with that. That would not have been okay. Like one person there to tell them that this is not the hill you want to die on. You are assassinating a character. His name is Jonathan Byers and you're ruining him from the start. And it happens in episode two. Like, yeah, I was yeah. so conflicted with Jonathan the moment that scene happened because one, yes, he is on somebody else's property and he is spying. 
he takes photos and people like to stand up for him and oh you always bring up the photo thing yes we do not just because he took the photos he developed those photos and you know he knows it's wrong because when he's putting the photos up and that other girl comes in uh, i think her name is nicole i think and she sees the pictures he starts tearing them down would he have thought it was bad if or, or would he have thought it was good if he like just left them up like he tears them down because he knows what he's doing is wrong and not okay she sees those photos and it is immediately like what the fuck and he knows that's not okay yet he did it and you know how long it takes to develop pictures in the 1980s 1983 to be precise it takes a good period of time you have to go through a lot of effort to develop photos and those are definitely not photos to try and figure out where his brother is they're they're what is the excuse he gives like that's the thing too like when steve pushes him on that yeah why i was just trying to find my brother that's what he says yeah yeah but you developed a picture of a shirtless girl with her boyfriend about to lose her virginity like what 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 were you thinking then because i none of that has to do with will Will is definitely not floating up in the top corner. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I had a a great idea for the best excuse they could have given in that moment. Mm -hmm. And that would have been more. So he hears someone scream. He goes and he looks. He stays around and maybe he catches like a sound, something happening in the trees or something. He notices that he's not the only person out there. And as he's kind of looking at you know, Barb in the water and Steve and Nancy upstairs. Maybe he sees something on the roof because right above their freaking window is the roof to their house. And Demogorgons can do all kinds of things. So maybe he gets a picture up there, but it just happens to have that shot of Steve and Nancy instead. It's the easiest explanation. You can just wipe it away a little bit. They don't even give him that. Instead, it's just him taking curvy pictures of a boy and a girl about to have sex like what yeah and like even before that like he spends quite a bit of time there, like taking pictures of them at the pool party of barb like and steve they all right give steve dialogue where he's like this is stalking like yeah. this is like it's stalking it's voyeurism it's pornography it's a form it's of assault it's you know, it's intended to distribute because he develops these photographs in the school. Like, he keeps them. Like, and, they play, and they play off Steve like he's the villain in this scene when you're listening to not. how the characters what? are laughing. I'm, I'll be honest. And people people are always, Steve went too far. Steve broke the camera. I'm yeah. sorry. If I was yeah. in Steve's perspective, this is how he's seeing it. I just had sex with my girlfriend for the first time. She just lost her virginity. He's very aware of that. There's this scene where Tommy and Carol are talking about how they think the teacher that they're talking about is still a virgin. And Nancy doesn't respond to it well. And Steve touches her leg. He is immediately receptive and he knows what's going on. And that Nancy is self-conscious that she's just lost her virginity. She thinks everybody's looking at her. He is already very aware of this scenario. Nancy is uncomfortable and worried that people know. He had to assure her at the lockers. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't do that. I didn't, I wouldn't do that. And he finds out that this little shit from the corner has taken photos of, of that very personal, very private, very intimate moment that his girlfriend is terrified about and has printed it, has developed it, 
has made an actual physical form of it that could be spread like wildfire. And not only that, not only did he do that, but already someone else knows. Nicole walks in, sees them. She knows. And that is not something she should have ever known. And now she knows about it. And he doesn't act out until he gets Jonathan's bag and verifies that the photos exist. He gets the proof that that has happened. And now he knows, shit, it's out. People know. And this guy has taken these pictures and developed them. And I have to do something because this happened at my house. Someone took pictures of this very personal moment. If I was in Steve's perspective, I wouldn't have just destroyed the camera. I would have destroyed everything Jonathan knew and loved. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, 100%. I would have taken him out. I would have taken the camera out, like all of his equipment, like the car, like... Yeah, I would have taken, I I would have done so much worse. And you see it when Steve drops the camera that he regrets it the moment he does it. (laughs) Does he look like a happy person when he does that? Did he take the camera and spike it like a football? No. (laughs) (laughs) He turns his hand over, he drops the camera, and then he's like, let's just go and walks off. And you can tell he's hurt and upset that he's been put into this position, that he's had to do this. He's not happy about it. If I was in his position, I would have been foaming at the mouth furious. I would have beaten Jonathan to within an inch of his life and had like Tommy and Carol hold him down while I was doing it. Like no way in hell is that okay. And Steve, all he did was break the thing that caused the photos to exist and walks away and he hates that he did it and he hates himself because he did it. And that's our show. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and tell your friends. Our theme music is provided by Neon Knights, and our sound editing is provided by Ashton Cooper. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ham Radio, a Stranger Things podcast. Please join us next time, same dial, same time. Over Over and out. out!